This is Pastor Landon Davis. Thank you for joining me for our daily Bible study. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 11 of the World English Bible today. When they came near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go your way into the village that is opposite you. Immediately as you enter into it, you will find a young donkey tied, on which no one has set. Untie him and bring him. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs him, and immediately he will send him back here. They went away and found a young young donkey tied at the door outside in the open street, and they untied him. Some of those who stood there asked them, what are you doing, untying the young donkey? They said to them, just as Jesus has said, and they let them go. They brought the young donkey to Jesus and threw their garments on it, and Jesus said on it, many spread their garments on the way, And others were cutting down branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Those who went in front and those who followed cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that is coming in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So Israel has been anxiously awaiting their Messiah. It's in an age and a time based off biblical prophecy. They believed it was time for the Messiah to come. Um, And it it seemed as if um, there were many at that time who were looking and and maybe were ready to receive the testimony of Christ. And so as he's coming into Jerusalem, there's a, a fevered pitch and in their zeal, they begin to praise God. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And it it seems again like this mass of people, if the representative of the common uh, opinion at the time it seems like their hearts are open to the Lord, but we're going to see how quickly um, that can change. Verse 11, Jesus entered into the temple in Jerusalem, and when he had looked around at everything, it being now evening, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came to see if perhaps he might find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Jesus told it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. They came to Jerusalem, and Jesus entered into the temple and began to throw out those who sold and those who bought in the temple and overthrow the money changers' tables and the seats of those who sold the doves. He would not allow anyone to carry a container through the temple. He taught, saying to them, Isn't it written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. So Jesus arrives at the temple in the evening and looks around, and evidently he had some things that he wanted to address the next day. So on their way the next day, they come across this fig tree, and Jesus famously curses the fig tree. Well, I don't think it was a fit of anger, but more of an object lesson. He came seeking figs, but when he found nothing but leaves, it had the appearance of being alive, but it wasn't producing any fruit. And so then he cursed it. And certainly this doesn't mean to cuss, but essentially he judged it. And uh, remember in the Old Testament, I said this was an object lesson. In the Old Testament, God had compared Israel to a fig tree. So uh, this is related to some language from the scripture. Now, when they arrived back at the temple, Jesus 
drove out the money changers. And the money changers were men who would exchange the common currency of the people for money that was considered acceptable for use in the temple. And of course, this would be accompanied by a fee. And so they were getting rich on people who were trying to fulfill the law and coming uh, and and they were trying to accomplish what God asked of them. And this, instead of simply providing the necessary sacrifices and, and doing a service for the people, it's becoming quite a money-making venture, evidently. And so when the Lord sees this and sees the corruption of the system, he rebukes them with the words of a couple of different prophets. He quotes from Isaiah and from Jeremiah when he said that the Lord's house was intended to be a house of prayer, but instead they were robbing the people through this corrupt system. Verse 18, the chief priest and the scribes heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the multitude was astonished at his teaching. When evening came, he went out of the city, and as they Passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away from the roots. Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now, when Jesus comes into the temple and he says what he says and he does it the way that he does it, it's a direct challenge to those that run the temple, to the priest and the scribes, to the chief priests even. And, of course, they would have had to give the money changers permission. They would have been aware of their practices. And so it's assumed that they also were being enriched by the additional charges that were were being placed on the people. At the very least, they were allowing it to happen. But um, there's reason to suspect that they also were getting their cut. And so whatever the case, uh, Jesus' rebuke of what they were allowing in the temple certainly um would have been something that they weren't used to. The, the men of God were given such respect. And so they became very angry and they saw the way that the crowds were so astonished at Jesus' teaching and the way that he was so fearless and uh, the truth that he shared. And so they realized we've got to do something to stop him. And um, they they feared him, and so they began to make plans on how they could destroy him, how they could kill him. On the way out of the city, after all of this has happened, they're on their way out, and Peter happens to look up and see the fig tree that Jesus had said no one would eat from again, and it had withered up. And going back to what I said, that I believe this was intended to be a parable, um, so this is probably symbolic of the nation of Israel that God had delighted in and um, that now, in large part, especially among their religious leadership, had backslidden and had been corrupted. And so they still had the appearance of being his people, but there was no fruit. Their religion was in vain. And so the Lord was only going to allow them to remain fruitless for so long. And when he had come in for a fruit inspection, when the Lord had come to his house when when he had arrived at the holy city and and they had been exposed um, for for not truly obeying the Word of God and not doing what God had called them to do um, 
the Lord when they weren't able to provide what he was looking for, just like the fig tree will. It was only going to be so long before judgment would come on them. Verse 22, Jesus answered them, Have faith in God, for most certainly I tell you, whoever may tell this mountain be taken up and cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is happening, he shall have whatever he says. Therefore I tell you, all things, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you have received them, and you shall have them. Whatever, Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. So Peter, I mean, I'm sorry, Jesus used this moment uh, whenever Peter had noticed the fig tree, not only um, did did he he use the fig tree to illustrate uh, what was happening with Israel, but it was sort of a double teaching moment because this gave Jesus a chance to emphasize the power of prayer. He knows that time is short, and he knows his mission is going to be carried on by his disciples. And if they're ever going to be what he would have them to be, just as it is for us today, they're going to have to learn to be people of prayer. And so he says, if you want this kind of power, you've got to believe when you pray. And we would expect that. You've got to have faith. And then the second thing he tells them, he ties it right with this, with pray and believe. He says, pray and forgive. Now, you might be surprised by the second command he gave them for effective prayer, but the promise of the word is that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Not just prayer, but the prayers of a righteous man. And so it's imperative that our hearts be right so we can be righteous. And if we don't forgive, we can't be forgiven. So it's it's imperative that we seek peace with our brothers and sisters if we're going to ask to be empowered and to be heard and to pray in the name of the Prince of Peace. Verse 27, They came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priest, the scribes, and the elders came to him. And they began saying to him, By what authority do you do these things? Or who gave you this authority to do these things? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. They reasoned with themselves, saying, If we should say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? And if we should say from men, they feared the people, for all held John to really be a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. And Jesus said to them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus didn't fall for the trap of insincere people. Jesus didn't get caught up in contentious arguments. He didn't try to convince men of the truth when they had no appetite for truth. And he didn't feel like he needed to justify himself to these unrighteous men. They had worked up the nerve finally to challenge him. Remember, again, they're fearful because he has such impact on the people. And he exposes their insincerity even further because they come to interrogate him. And he says, well, sure, but but before I answer your challenge, I just need you to give me this one simple question. And they couldn't answer the question. And so if they couldn't... Um, make a righteous judgment on John and his doctrine, whether it was of God or not, then 
why should the people trust them when they made a judgment against Jesus, um, whether he was the Messiah or a blasphemer? And so he, Jesus really, with this simple question, diffused the situation and kind of painted them into the corner because they had rejected John and his message of repentance. And now we see they're making the further mistake of rejecting the Lord of glory. Now we know that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh and he was perfectly performing the will of God and most certainly he had the authority to do all that he did. Um, but they they were hard-hearted and didn't have ears to hear or eyes to see. And they were in a very, very sad state. And so this is the leadership and certainly they're able to have sway. You need to be careful who you allow to speak into your life because in short order we see that they're able to take where Jesus rides in to the cheering throngs ready to to crown him as king almost till in just a, a matter of days they're crying crucify. Um, so we want to pray and uh, we want to pray above all things that we can be sincere. Remember Jesus said to pray in faith and to forgive and, and that's issues of the heart. His problem in the judgment of the temple, when he went cleansing of the temple, I mean, was was that it was corrupt. It was wrong what they were doing. Their heart wasn't right. They were capitalizing and, and using the things of God for their own benefit. And so we kind of see that theme throughout this entire chapter of about doing the right thing, doing it for the right reason, with the right heart. And, uh, and, and, truly wanting to to know the truth of God and to live for the Lord. So let's pray together. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. I ask that you would help us to have clean hands, to have a clean heart, renew a right spirit within us, Lord. Help us to serve you with sincerity. Let everything we do be done for your glory and to lift up your most holy name. We pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Join me again tomorrow for another episode.